You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest this week is Kid Congo Powers. His new book is called Some New Kind of Kick, a memoir. Uh, we talk about writing a memoir, and um, yeah, he's a uh, kid worked pretty hard on this. Since 2006, he started. Uh, we also talk about uh, some of his time with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, the Cramps, the Gun Club. Uh, we talk about his Berlin years, when they were in Berlin, and one of the first things that he got to do in Berlin was be a part of Vim Vender's film, Wings of Desire. Uh, such good times. I really hope you enjoy this interview because I've been a huge fan of Kid Congo Powers for many, many years. Hello, I'm Kid Congo Powers, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Kid Congo Powers. He's the author of Some New Kind of Kick, a memoir. Kid, how are you? I'm good, good. Good to see you, Tony. Good to see you, too. What's it like having your story in book form? <laughs> it's insanity. <laughs> but it's 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 cool. I mean, I, I suppose it was time, and, um, and it's very different from making a record, that's for sure. Um, but I'm really happy about it. And uh, it's actually, uh, well, we'll be out. I don't know when you're, when you're putting this out, but it's coming out next week as a speak today. Um, yeah. But um, yes, I, I'm, I'm excited about it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like. What, what is the difference that you find of putting a record out versus putting a book out or putting it together? I mean, which part of the process was kind of... Um... Uh, surprising to you well it's surprising because uh the, the book is just my story you know and it's there's no not a lot there's no masking of anything you, you know whereas music you know even if i do use my own experience as lyrics sometimes you know it's it's shrouded and it's it's in poetry, it's in prose, it's in lyric form. And also, you know, and I have a lot of loud blaring music usually, you know, going on with it. And it's a whole uh, package, but I, um, but doing a book was, is, uh, you know, you're, 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 uh, you know, not to be cliche, but naked, you know, out there, you know, well, you know, flying, flying out there with your, everything showing. So, um, you know, so that's different. Um, but I'm happy I did it, you know, and also the process, you know, writing a record I can make instantly. And this I've been really from the first scribble I did was I think 2006, you know, from the first time I thought I'm going to write a book. And then I, scribbled a couple words you know um and so you know it came it's coming out in 2022 so that <laughs> that's so. that's what i find with everything that has to do with like book or film where it's just like oh we can get this done and like we can get this done in a year and yeah, it's just like exactly. it never happens <laughs> yeah because what happened was i I've, my friend uh, jonathan tobin was putting out a record a couple of records of mine uh 
and, and he was starting his own imprint, his own record label. And he was also a music historian. And he, so he said, like, everyone knows that you were in the, some, you know, some people know you were in the cramps. Some people know you're in the gun club. Some people know you played with Nick Cave. But a lot of people don't know you did all of those things, you know. So he wrote a, a really exhaustive uh interview with a timeline and discography and everything and I thought oh here's an outline to a book and all I have to do is fill it in with some amusing stories and I'll be done <laughs> and and as it went on I realized that, that was not gonna make a book so right. so um you know and and it was very much like how I make music just one following your nose and putting one step in front of the one foot in front of the other and taking one step and um in seeing what's working, what's not working, uh, and uh, you know, try not to throw it in the garbage. That that there, my friend, is um, that is the that is every writer's life. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. am I doing? How do I not throw this in the garbage? <laughs> exactly. Like, who wants to read this crap? <laughs> um, and um, but the good thing was that I actually went to uh, writers' workshops, and uh, wow. you know, I went to this place, the Writer Centers, when I was living in D.C. It's in Bethesda, Maryland. It's a, quite a nice uh, writing center, and took memoir uh, workshops and classes, and you know, those are peer reviewed of the classmates. And these are people who have no idea who I am, what kind of music I make, what my past is or anything. So I just wanted to see, is there a story here that is bigger than, you know, to the convert already converted, you know, to the rock and roll fan, the underground rock and roll fan, to the under underground <laughs> rock and roll fan, you know, and people were seeing the story. So um, that, that spurred me on and made me, you know, want to expand the whole process into not just amusing stories and rock and roll antidotes into it and get into a personal story with it. I like that a lot. The, um, what was, what was it when you were first showing? I mean, cause I, I, I assume, and when you're doing a, your first memoir class, which is, uh, usually very vulnerable, and, and like and you and you send your papers out to all these people and then what was it like do you remember like the first time you got workshopped and and the um the way the the, the way uh as you were going to that class to when they were going to workshop your work and you're just going maybe i should skip the class <laughs> i was more like hold your nose and jump in like oh a, yeah a cannonball into the pool yeah, know, just yeah jump in and you know um i'm i'm pretty open book anyway uh mm -hmm. a type of person you know um and uh i think that i had also uh had been working a long time on in in the, the therapeutic world you know about things and um and i had actually already started to do i was already doing readings i was writing essay, you know these essays and doing readings with them live uh because you know um i like the beatnik way and uh and uh and so i I was not so in fear of of it. I was in fear that people weren't going to get it. 
you know, that that was my fear that people were going to say, like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and who are the, all these people you're talking about, you know, and, uh, but I, I, you know, I was a little, I was, you know, kind of confident that I, I was writing a story from my perspective and that, that I knew that it was, and the part I did, the part I brought to the class was, was teenager era. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, that was, you know, before I was involved in any kind of professional way in music, you know, all the part I was writing about. And, um, and, uh, and, it, and I went pretty bold. I went, you know, talking about blowjobs and, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, hustlers and things like that. So, um, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah. And, and people, you know, dug it. So it was good. I got lots of good feedback and, and it, it did spur me on to, to keep writing in a more open manner. And, 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 uh, cause maybe the word is in like, you had that authenticity and honesty pretty quick. So the mm -hmm. vulnerability was there mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yes. The, well, that's true. Yeah. And it was actually the first time was easy. And then it got harder, mm -hmm. got harder and harder as I went along. And there were plenty of times that, um, that I like quite literally jumped out of my chair and like, was like, I have to make a record. And I have to go on tour for a year <laughs> and then like, put it away. And I had that. I was very productive in music in these years of writing because I was just constantly, oh, I have to get away from this. It's just, you know, uh, too much. And uh, or when I be disillusioned, you know, and yeah, riddled with self-doubt. But, um, you know, but but, you know, that that is temporary things and i i understand those roadblocks you know i understand enough about myself <laughs> but those are just roadblocks that i have to go through and hurdles i have to jump over and and because i go through it with with music too you know even though i make pretty simple music that is pre made pretty instantly um you know there is a lot of uh wringing of hands that goes on you know about it um because I care, you know, about it, you know, and, and I want it to be good. And I have, I do have a, a, a I'd like to think I have a, 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 a bit of quality control, uh, control freakness, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, um, so with the writing that, that's why, you know, I was, and I, I was like, it's going to take as long as it takes. And and also when I was writing the book, I didn't know where it was going at mm -hmm. all. You know, I mean, I had my outline, but that was really just a timeline. I didn't know where it might go in terms of what the story was going to be, you know. And um, and I just, I, I went with the theory, like, this book is going to tell me what it is when I'm finished with it. <laughs> you know that that's i mean that is the way to do it is to keep showing up to the page and then the mm -hmm. and then it starts to tell you because that's i mean that's what i'm always struggling with is what's my entry point and what's my exit point and there's yeah. just there's always way too much that don't yeah. that that when you parse it down then it then that's when you get the craft of it but mm -hmm. if you brought everything in, it would just be a mess. It's just like a yeah. soup with every single ingredient, including, you know, 
um, some teeth. It's just like, it, it, it's just like, well, what's this? But, you know, it's like figuring out exactly what, what fits, um, massaging it. It's just, it just takes years. Yes, it's a, a year, years long process. And I was lucky to have people who were mentoring me and, and I was able to ask uh, people who had written books who I knew, uh, you know, what, what, what did you do? And, mm-hmm. you know, Lydia Lange gave me very good. She's always giving me good advice. And uh, she, um, yeah, she's like, you know, you just have to make choices as to what you have to choose what's important and choose what, and you know, what stay has stayed with you this whole time, if you're going to do a memoir, you know, what are the important things that stayed with you? And so that was a really good advice. And, you know, um, Chris Campion, who, um, you know, is my co-writer on it. And, you know, when, it, when I gave, when I gave it to him, you know, cause I, I wanted to, you know, pick my own editor and I asked them years before, I said, will you edit this book when it comes to that? You know, mm-hmm. he was always a really good springboard for me. You know, I would send him page, a couple pages and, and, and see what he said about it. And so, you know, I, I didn't just, you know, uh, you know, do, you know, sit by myself and, and, and drive myself insane. You know, I, I, I springboarded off a couple of different people and that was really, really helpful. And um, well, and, I'm oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I and was then, just oh, <laughs> no, you, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, no, you. no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no seriously, well, like, you, a couple yeah. of blabbermouths. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and also, you know, I just had people who, who believed in it, and also, I kind of was, I was talking about blabbermouths every interview i was doing for years was like i'm right i'm in the midst of writing this book i'm writing this book until everyone's like where is this fucking book you know (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe you anymore you know so i was like i guess it has to get finished um yeah there's a there's a beauty to that when you tell people that you're working on a book and then all of a sudden you have to come out with a book sometime yeah even if it's a decade later (laughs) Uh-huh. I know. The real writers know. They're like, "Oh, you're working on a book. Cool. We'll see you in 2022." Yeah, and I got, I got this like, um, I got a like crazy scare because I was talking to a a a woman I knew in D.C. and she was like, "You know, I had this ex-husband, and he kept saying he was writing a book, and he just never wrote this book, and I had finally had to divorce him, and and you know, like he was, you know." full of it and i was like i don't want to get divorced you know? right right smart woman like, there she are is... real consequences to just <laughs> yeah. paying lip service you know <laughs> and and um you know but and and you know but i was always doing the work so i felt a little bit more secure with that but yeah. um, but i can see how that could happen you know yeah where a lot of you know it's it, there was a lot of times that a lot of time went by where I wasn't working on it or I was, you know, like I said, wringing my hands and worrying about it more than writing about it um, and, uh, and waiting for inspiration to hit. And this kind of, these kind of things that, you know, doesn't get stuff done. <laughs> so Yeah. And I mean, sometimes the worrying and wringing of hands is actually part of the writing process. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. But so so you chose uh, Chris Campion. Yes, he wasn't thrust upon me. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's yeah. yeah that's... A long time ago, I asked him, and mm-hmm. I knew him to be a writer, and he had interviewed me for a few pieces he'd done works and um and i got along with him well and i i admired his work and uh, you know and, and he was funny and uh and <laughs> isn't that everything yes exactly we were able to laugh at stuff. Yeah. yeah um and um and yeah so there was kind of really no doubt i felt uh I felt sure that he was the person to to help me along, and he did. And then when and uh, when I handed him some uh, first draft, uh, you know, he was like, "Good, good, 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 good." But it's all over the place, and and you're not telling this whole story. <laughs> like, Fuck, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. "There's way more to this than what you're saying here," and um, and that was great because I needed that. You know, or else I, I might have uh, not opened up as much as I did and uh, dwelled, dwelled as deep as I did, you know. I mean, and so, you know, so that kind of help is is so invaluable. You know? And that's what that's what makes that's what sets the book higher than, you know, it's um I mean, I, I I knew when I heard that you had your book coming out, I was like, this isn't just going to be another rock and roll biography, mm-hmm. which is really, you know, for the most part, I'm not a fan of the genre, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's the, sure. it's not, it's not, um, you know, the problem is that people aren't putting enough time and effort into creating the naked truth of it there mm-hmm. and then this happened and then this happened and and then mick jagger and i did this and it's just like okay that's cute to read but i'm not feeling the i'm not feeling uh what do you call it I'm not i don't know what the word is at the moment yeah well you're not feeling that there's a person there right that's yes you know and I, that's what i really wanted it not to be a book of lists you know because so much so many times it's a book it's like you were talking about you know it's like i did this with so and so you know there's a lot of characters in my book but um a lot of uh people i encountered but that's just was my life i was right. all these people at all times um but uh but also i wanted to keep it you know from my inside my head you know mm-hmm. you're inside me the whole time and i want and i you know, wanted, I had a few, uh, you know, the stakes were high, you know, I had a few goals, you know, I wanted to tell the story of me and Jeffrey Lee Pierce's relationship and what that was like, you know, um, you know, because there's, there are so many stories out there and it's all like, oh, self-destructive, da, 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 da. and this is all true, but um, also there was more, there was a relationship with people there you know about people and um this was the same with with most of the people i encountered i wanted to make them into uh human or inhuman you know um you know people you know i was you know it's funny there's a weird uh it was a weird a couple of uh touchstone books that i was looking at when i started 
you know, one was the fir first one is was Cookie Mueller's books, and especially uh, her one, um, Walking Through a Clear Pool Painted Black, um, which was a series of essays and stories about her and her friends and their antics. But you really got to know who, about all these people through their antics. And, mm -hmm. and she had a very hilarious spin on everything, even the most darkest things. Um, and... Um, and then, and then also, I was reading a lot of Herbert Hunky when I started. I was just discovering him, you know, and uh, and I loved his way, you know, of being just um, being, you know, a hustler, Times Square hustler, all around, you know, gutter snipe. Uh, but wow, what compassion he had for the people he encountered, you know, and mm -hmm. they were doing all these dastardly criminal low life things but you know but he always found some beauty in them and was able to bring out what what, what that is and and also quite hilarious spins on on stories very matter of fact and uh, you know and and life is an unusual thing you know and and if you can see it like that it, it if you can write how that happens you know um to me, though, those were all kind of goals and, and the stakes I had uh, going on, you know. I, I, to me, that's a, a high bar for me. You know, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to put myself, yeah, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I would never say I was as good a writer as, as either of them, but uh, but maybe I am. But uh, but uh, but they were definitely inspirations uh, for me to uh, find my voice. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, like, even though, um, you know, society may deem someone a thief or, uh, or um, you know, doing so-called unsavory things, or maybe very unsavory things, um, those actual individuals are the heroes of their life story. So it's, they're not looking at themselves as in a way, they're looking at themselves as just another human trying to get by in life. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what, what I feel feel like myself, you know, and and also, yeah, and these people, you know, I've met a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people, and it started early, and you know, and I was, I want to say, you know, I was a suburban kid, but you know, at a young age, you know, I had uh, you know gun violence in my family, and uh, and just different things that completely will turn you around you know yeah. yeah in a way in a way these things shut me down emotionally but then they, they triggered another part of me that was like i'm gonna just go for it and live you know live life you know burn the hell out of life you know you know so uh those were, those were uh, and that and therein lies a good story right <laughs> you know, the um the, the being shut down but also going for it you know it's the, the the you know the the battle you know yeah the it's i've i've thought of, i mean i've thought about this way too much when it's just like what if we were brought up in very supportive family environments and what and went about our lives in a way where things were okay and we just had a little bit of angst and then um, you know, like, you know, especially uh, like in your case, your path 
I find completely interesting and amazing. And, you know, you've, you've been around the people that, um, I mean, you are the people that I've adored since, you know, <laughs> for many years, but it's just like what all the what ifs. And then, and then sometimes it, it's, you know, even though like bad things have happened to me, um, all of a sudden I have sometimes gratitude for them because I feel like they, um, they, they made me, they made me, uh, either stand up or fall down and I chose to stand up. I don't know if that's the same for you. Oh yeah. Adversity. Definitely. This is the best teacher. <laughs> yeah. 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 You get, you get your best lessons out of that. And, um, yeah. And like, that's the thing, you know, that uh, no regrets, you know, you didn't pee off. No regrets. Um, I don't know about know, that. I got regrets. I got some regrets. <laughs> too, actually. I have quite a few, but, uh, but also, you know, like, like I'm glad that I'm here now and that this, this book is looking back and it's, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, that I'm able to look back, you know, at all is, is pretty miraculous. Um, and that, um, yeah, that, you know, when you get to uh, an advanced age, you know, telling the story becomes important. And I, and also one of the things was I want, I want young, I hope some young people read it, you know, I hope some, uh, I hope some Chicano kids read it. I hope some gay kids read, you know, this and, um, and that, and know that okay, the, all this stuff is possible, and um, you don't have to go the route I did. But if you do, you can still survive, survive perhaps, you know. And um, you know, so so that that was you know, and being untaught, an untaught musician, just all these things, you know, uh, all these things that would normally make me uh, that I found to be. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, you know, um, uh, like roadblocks, you know, mm -hmm. or or uh, you know, or never a weakness, but a uh, you know, you know, without going into victimhood, but you know, you know, some kind of disenfranch disenfranchised feelings, you know, and it's about feelings. It's not, it was actually not to do with the reality at all. I quite learned, you know. Yeah. Like, it was just all me, you know, and what, and this is a book about what I felt like when I was going through all these things, you know, whether I was, you know, terrified and have, and, uh, or if I was just having fun and like, you know, and being a brat, you know, you know, you know being a crazy brat at, at the expense of everyone else, you know, and, um, but, you know, that's all, you know, that to me was that, that's, that whole teenage crazy taking acids, stealing cars, whatever you're doing, you know, you're, you know, that's all part of you know, your personality <laughs> and the personality of a, a, a certain teenager, you know, and, and also about, I think a pretty widespread, you know, I grew up uh, loving juvenile delinquents. So, you know, and I never went to the point where I was a terrible juvenile delinquent, but, uh, but you know, when I was a juvenile delinquent, and um, and 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 that all is, uh, you know, was 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 you know, it was just illuminating that you know, oh, I became a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I became you know, 
the wild angels or the trip or whatever, you know, um, you know, I think I, I think I say in I was like a tiny kid seeing the trip with Peter Fonda about him going on an acid trip. And I was thinking one day I'm going to go on a trip. <laughs> you know, you know, so this was a, a long winded, uh, uh, a long winded uh, uh, plan I had. You know, yeah. so. I like, um, you know, I feel like, especially with dudes, it's just like, we, we gotta, um, we gotta hit that weird juvenile delinquent part of us in our youth. Cause if we don't, we hit it later somehow. And it's, mm-hmm. and those people who I, I feel really bad for these kids. I, it blew my mind when I found out that a kid um, in high school pulled the fire alarm and they end up in juvenile hall because it's just like, it's like a terrorist act now. And it's just like, no, these kids are supposed to do that. They're supposed to break the boundaries and the rules. And it's these guys, they need to stop the um, making it like it's way more than it is. You know, like what's like, I'll have a kid like, you know, every once in a while I'll hear a rock, like hit my car or something when I'm driving around. I'm like, Oh, some kid just hit my car. Good on them. You know, it's just like, <laughs> they're getting it out. It, it, it's, it's, that's the same stuff we did when I was kids, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> a passage and also, you know, uh, as much as I hate to say, times were very different. Um, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't, I didn't, when I was a little kid, there was not a lot of parental control. They were like, get out of the house and come back at dinner time, you know, and, and wherever you went was up to you, you yeah. know, whatever you got up to was up to you. And and that's, I think that's a very different style of parenting that <laughs> goes on in the, uh, general um and i was you know teenager hitchhiking around and you know it's just like it, 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 it was it was all normal yeah that's the thing yeah my life was just that was just my normal life you know yeah uh, you know doing all these things <clears throat> and and it's and um well i don't you know just going just going ahead and um playing guitar without taking traditional list you know what what i've what i've found in my life is when someone says no you can't do that i'm doing it exactly. and, um it's just like oh no you can't do that because you didn't go to college oh yeah watch me <laughs> and and that 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 puts a fire into me to go after it even more because you know what i don't have that background but i'm going to be right next to you in a, in a few years and you'll see and then and then it means it's all my own BS in the end. Yeah. It's just like, but it puts it, it was that driver in me then. Yeah. It's the catalyst. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, when did, did you, so you've been in therapy for a while? Uh, like you said, you were talking earlier. Well, like, yeah. You know, I'm, and I even said in the book, yeah, I belong to like, you know, 12 step community. And, um, and, you know, that has a lot of homework, you yeah. know. In in in, in uh, resolving your um, own uh, self obsession, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know, so that 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 is, has been my main therapy. You know, I haven't gone to therapists, and um, and you know, I think uh, writing this book was a, a lot like going to therapy. You know, are you uh, sure? Sometimes, I, sometimes it's worse than therapy. Sometimes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah yeah you can't 
hoodwink yourself. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm feeling yet because everyone's like, don't you feel it's cathartic that you wrote this book? Uh, uh, that's a big question I get. And I'm like, I don't know yet. I have no idea. You know, it's, I don't think it's been out in the world long enough to, for me to know if it's cathartic or not or what it is. I mean, I know like from making records, you know, that I have records I made 30 years ago that people are saying, yo, you don't know how important this record was to me. And, you know, and that, you know, I was, you know, in, uh, you know, the former uh, Yugoslavia and the bombs were dropping and I was listening to your record, you know, it was just like, wow, you know, this makes it all not for nothing. And um, I don't know where I'm going with this, uh, where, where we started with this, but. Uh, well, no, I but, like that. Yeah. It's because I think. And, and oh, I yeah. think is, is it cathartic? Yeah. That's what we're yeah. talking about. But um yeah, no, like when I hear that, that's cathartic, you know? Yeah. And that makes me think like, okay, uh, this is uh, just like wondering if hitting a few chords is doing anything, you know? It, it, it seems like it's not. And, uh, and but when people tell you it is, then, uh, you know, you have your... Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, validating and um, and it makes you say, okay, I go, that makes you continue. You know, I'm gonna, just, I'm on the right track. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so crazy. You know, I have so much proof to the contrary that my my music is not, uh, you know, not liked or not important. You know, it's just like I have an insane amount of proof that that is not a truth, but I have something in my brain but maybe that's because i care you know mm -hmm. that's what i'm thinking i just care about it a lot and it's important to me to to reach people you know and, and it's important for me to make people laugh or have fun or you know or or be sad or, or whatever feel something it just yeah. feels you know that's the beauty of music that's uh that's um because music is such a I, I feel like it's such a almost a divine language because mm. we don't we don't need the words um yeah. so someone who doesn't understand english that well can totally connect to mm. english speaking music just like you know someone i i don't know french but man i listen to some of those you know french musicians and i'm like almost weeping because there, there's it's it's a different communication yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah. then go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That 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 and that is the thing. It's communication. You know, for me, you know, in creating uh, music, you know, it's it's actually yeah, creating the language that people understand. You know, and and the hope is that your language gets understood and is spoken between people. You know, uh, and. Uh, and so that's why I've, uh, you know, that's what, that's the way I learned too, you know, and the people from the people I worked with, you know, starting with Jeffrey Lee Pierce and, you know, the Cramps or Nick Cave or any number of other people I've worked with, you know, they're, they all have created their own world and their own language and have their own tribes, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's a really, really wonderful. 
and and that these tribes kind of intersect, you know, and that's you know where where I come in. I know. And, and you yeah. sure do come in. I got I got to tell you, um, when I was doing, when I was a college radio DJ in like the, in, I remember in 1990, I was giving away tickets. You know, you, we get to give away tickets. It's like the call in. It's the excitement because maybe <laughs> people are actually listening, and then all of a sudden you give away tickets and the phones are ringing off the charts, <laughs> and you're like, because all you're doing is you're stuck in your closet studio space and yeah. and broadcasting. You don't know what's out there, but I did a um. I said, what's the connect? I did a, my quiz for whatever tickets I was giving away was what is the connection between these three bands? And I played the gun club, the cramps, the cave and the bad seeds. And a bunch of people got, the, got the answer, right? Kid yes. Congo powers. There we go. <laughs> they know me. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, it's, 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 a. Uh, um, I mean, I don't think, oh. I, I don't think um, there's a lot of people that have, you know, bopped into. I, I'm not saying you bopped into them, but you, um, you ended up in three very iconic bands. <laughs> I know. You know? It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a thing. It, it, I I think that I don't know too many people. I don't think I know any. If I really rack my brain. There's no other Kid Congo Powers that has done this. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking. But uh, yeah, uh, it's very fortunate, isn't it? <laughs> it's very yeah. uncanny that that happened, uh, and that's just all one foot in front of the other. Yeah, maybe, maybe some right place, right time. A lot of that, probably. Um, and uh, and I think that these people were all these bands were all look looking for a person rather than a accomplished musician you know not that i'm not a good musician i'm, I'm a unique musician you know this self-taught play and open tuning way i play is uh unique and i think all of these people wanted that in their band and and maybe there's not a lot of unique uh, that, you know, at the time that I, I was right for what was going on with them. I think definitely for the cramps, because I was only playing guitar for one year when I joined the cramps. I picked it up and a year later I'm in London on stage and in a recording studio. And um and and they they had they had more uh they 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 saw someone they could mold. You know, they only oh, need the most rudimentary of guitar players. Right. But I think they knew that they could, I would do whatever they said, you uh -huh. know, without question, you know, which was definitely the case. And, uh, and, uh, and would be eager to do it. They were smart, you know, you know, yeah. very much so just like um, the kind of way that, um, you know, I, I, when I did the Ramones fanzine, the Ramones fan club, that all of a sudden, like their record label, and everyone saw like, like, oh, get this guy in the office and let him use all the Xerox machines. Let him give him all the ephemera, you know, all the all the latest news and stuff. Because they saw a good thing, they knew that oh yeah, he's going to do our work for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and <clears throat> in, a, in a way that you know, you know, and so the cramps, I think, definitely them. And then with with Nick, it was a 
right time, right place. And and they knew my work. And and mm. really, I was called upon to uh, just fill in for one tour, a quick, you know, three-week tour, and just ended up there for three more years. <laughs> you know? Isn't it a trip how... Um, if you step up to something and just go and you're just like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden you're on the, I, I can't, I don't, you're on like four records with the bad seeds, right? Is it four? No, I think only tender prey and the good sun really. And oh, then, okay. Okay. Uh, and then whatever. Greatest right. Seeds. Right. Well, I mean, just, you know, the, the, my, my favorite, one of my favorite eras of Nick Cave and the bad seeds is that your funeral, my trial to Henry's dream, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> It's just, <clears throat> yeah, your funeral, my trial. That's when I came in, I was filling in on that tour. Oh, wow. And yeah, those songs were just incredible. And, you know, how could I, I couldn't say no to that, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, that, that whole mood, that whole Berlin era, actually, you know, I guess Henry's dream wasn't that in Berlin, but, you know, that whole, uh, Actually, yeah, from her to eternity to that, you know, we're all the Berlin era of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And um, and I think I got in right at the end of the super experimental end of of what was going on. And um, because the after The Good Son, you know, it, it, you know, The Good Son was becoming more songwriter-y right. sort of, um, more. And uh, and by Henry Stream, yeah, it was that was largely an acoustic-driven <laughs> album, you know, uh, and there wasn't a lot of uh, room for uh, two, two, two noisy <laughs> guitar players <laughs> between me and Luke. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so uh, that was a completely reasonable. <laughs> um, uh, uh, why they would just you know they would change format and not and that's the beauty of nick is that the format changes yeah know? yeah it's even changed. now it's just so the same he retains his thread but the format changes you know? yeah and uh and that's what you would i would think wish for for a, a group uh you know for an artistic artist group you know and that's the thing is that I, I learned that definitely from them and and actually the, and and other groups as well is that you, not to uh, to keep to keep to your vision, you know, stay with the vision. Don't pander, you know, right. to record companies or, you know, not not in a bad way, but to fans' wishes or whatever, you know. It's like. It, don't keep making the same record, you know. And if you don't spread your wings, you're gonna be grounded, you know. You know, for that's, me, I like that saying. Yeah, that's, that's so, the first time I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time I've said it. Really? Uh, that's that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's again. like it's like let's pause on that. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> and it's being at that that time in Berlin, I just I you know I wish that I could have experienced that time in Berlin where there was Vim Vendors doing his films. It just seemed it seems like such a juicy creative moment. It was without a doubt. It was a, without a doubt. It was West Berlin at the time. You know, surrounded by the East. Yeah. And, um, 
And uh, yeah, there was so much creativity going on. And one thing that, because I had been in London a few years before that, which is very much a pop industry town, if you're in that world, if you're a musician, and um, where, but when I went to Berlin, uh, it was so much, it seemed to me much more artistically driven and where film, uh, dance, uh, performance, uh, visual art, you know, and music, different, different musics, jazz, classical and rock could all meet, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and, or exist and often collaborate with each other, you know, and 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 that was just so appealing to me, you know, um, and the, the feeling of the, um, the seclusion of West Berlin, you know, uh, definitely to the outsider, to me, to uh, the Auslander, and uh, and but it was, you know, I think it was a real thing, and I think that's what drew a lot of people to Berlin, and you know, it was the place in Germany that you went that if you could uh, make the draft was not compulsory if you were in Berlin, West Berlin. Mm. So uh, I think a lot of people there was a lot of exile in there to escape, you know, having to do the draft. I think that's true. That's sort of and the, and those would be my people because I'd be like, yeah, let's not go to war. Yes, How about that? Conscientious <laughs> objectives. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, so, so it was a very special feeling, you know, both creative and wonderful and uh, a very gray <laughs> and dark. You know, um, you know, and 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 there was uh, a lot of um, yeah, it's very decadent as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there was there was not a lot of taboos going on about sexualities and or drugs or anything. Yeah, you know, in the world I was associated with. Yeah, and. Um, but and but you know at large you know it was it was, it was an incredible incredible time I think it's very unique you know? yeah the rest of Germany didn't feel like that and it's and I, I feel like even the even Wings of Desire where you know that's Vin Vendor's love letter essentially to Berlin and I think that was probably the last time he can capture that Berlin in that period yeah and that movie really captured it you know yeah i mean i can feel it yeah i think even if you have never been there you could feel it you know um but having lived there at, at right at that time that's right when i moved there, that was one of my first duties as a bad seed was doing that film being wait wait film. so so let so so like with like what within a week you're like you're in the bad seats and you're in a vim vendors film <laughs> yeah i think we did one tour and then like oh yeah we're gonna do this and yeah you know <laughs> We were, we were just working. <laughs> yeah, same old stuff. And you know, yeah. I can't wait to see what else happens. No, I, I, in my in my uh, in my other room, I got a huge Wings of Desire poster, and it's just like mm. there's just something about that movie that just means so much to me still. You know, it's just like oh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous film. You know, it's rich in so many ways on so many levels, and uh, and just yeah, to look at it, you know, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, I, I was really great, you know, uh, at one point when we were filming um, Vim Vendors, you know, 
got the attention of the crowd and was like, you know, you're being filmed by Henri Alican. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but you know, he's a cinematographer of so many amazing films, you know, and the Cocteau, those surrealistic Cocteau films and just incredible, you know, and he was up in his crane, like up, way up high, you know, and, and maybe it was even his birthday, but he, and, and, but he was, uh, uh, Vim Enders was like, no, that you're being filmed by a legend and that you're going to look incredible. You know, he's just like, just, oh, yeah. So he was so generous with that, you know, kind of thing to make it, you know, he knew it was special. He was used, you know, and, and he made everyone know, like, we're doing something really special right now, you know. So, uh, you know, and you're just doing it. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know. You know right. But you can feel it. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's contagious because if he knows if his vision's coming through, he knows. And then all and then I think especially on a film set, that bleeds down to the to everyone on crew mm. and, and, and in front yeah. of the camera. Yeah, it's, and to it, down to the extras. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't know you worked with Diamanda Galas. Yeah, it was it was a brief thing. I was more uh friend of hers. You yeah. know. I didn't know she lived, she was from San Diego. Yes. <laughs> I thought she was in a crypt somewhere in Romania and then came out toward. <laughs> uh, metaphorically and uh, spiritually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, she, Zeman is amazing. And uh, it was just, she was in living in Berlin for a while at the time. She had a residency there. And uh, so she got her own apartment and lived there for a while at the same time I was there. And so... Uh, so yeah, so uh, so she called me into the studio because she wanted some slide guitar for she was doing a version of uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And it was just incredible. And I put some guitar and they didn't end up using, actually the whole track ended up acapella, you know, because it just really didn't need anything, you know. And, but uh, you informed some of that because she listened to some of those chords and went, wait, I need to get my lyrics a little, eh, or my, my vocals a little, eh, right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Don't ask me to put words in Diamanda's mouth. Uh, <laughs> and badly. Um, now, Diamanda is wonderful and has been a good, great friend to me, you know, at that time. And, um, and wow, wow. You know, I'd only seen her like a year or two before when I was first came to London and, um, and uh, name dropping. And, and I was uh, Mark Almond uh, from Soft Cell, uh, you know, uh, told me and Lydia Lunch and Jim Thurwell, like, oh, you, we have to go see this, you know, this demon, you have to go see her. It's, it's incredible. She says this record, Wild Women with Steak Knives. <laughs> we're like, sold, we're going, you know. And that was the same thing. I saw her and I was like, where is this wild thing from? Like, wow, what world, you know, exactly. In a crypt yeah. in Romania, you know, <laughs> is she going to get a knife out and start stabbing me? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And if she does, that'll be the best way I can go out exactly, in this life? Exactly, exactly, 100%. So, yeah, and she was, you know, we were all part of the same world, you know, uh, like I said, all of that avant-garde and rock mixed together, you know, kind of 
didn't matter. And I think a lot of it is about people, you know. I think a lot of these, the artists that got together, it's just about personalities and uh, admiration of their other people's works and uh, like-mindedness and, um, and uh, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, Diamante. Wow. To this day. I know. I I think I the last time I saw her was like 15 years ago, and you know when it was a long show, and I was just, and there's just you you can't walk away from that show not feeling affected. No, it's you never can. It's just yeah. Now her AIDS trilogy and right, it's like wow, yeah, yeah, lots of wow, lots of wow, lots of uh, lots of tears. Some blood, maybe, <laughs> you know. And isn't that just the human condition in life, right? Yeah, a lot of screaming. She does a lot of screaming for yeah. you. Yeah, but but good screaming. Like yeah. I can't scream like that. <laughs> Kid, what's that? You could learn, Tony. Right? Could I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I have internal screams. I and then I you know I try to get them out. It's and it's just like it doesn't sound like the scream that I have that's in my soul that's going, please help. <laughs> hey kid, thank you so much for coming well, on. Thank the show. you for having me. Um it's a pleasure to talk to you. Congo Powers on Drinks with Tony. Check out his book, Some New Kind of Kick, a memoir. 
Uh, stay tuned for more great interviews. Well, great people being interviewed. I mean, you know, judge for yourself if the interview is great. And also, uh, fair warning that the next free creative writing creative writing workshop and enunciation uh, technique. No, it's just a writer, writing workshop at the Los Angeles Public Library on November 16th at 6 p.m. at the Los Feliz branch on Hillhurst. I'm teaching a free creative writing workshop, 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Again, that's November 16th, Los Feliz branch library of the Los Angeles Public Library System. Continue to read your books and support your local library. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.
You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. <laughs> 